0: 1 Peter chapter 2, Gail and I are extremely thankful um, for, uh, as Camille shared about, being in this body, it's, um, it's a lot for us, it's a blessing for us, because we went to a great church where I did Passovers. Two Passovers at the church, two days in a row. And then Gail, after that day on Friday, Gail got really hurt on her back again and was just pretty much down for the count. People came over to our where we were staying and visited, and she troopered through it, and you guys prayed for her, and she was able to get on an airplane and come home and is doing okay. But, you know, we're still in that process. But we so appreciate the love and the prayer. It was a great church I went to. They have three services. Each service is one hour long exactly. There's a clock that ticks down for you. And they're good friends of mine, and it was great. And I did a half hour or less. I actually beat the clock. But uh, I thought, I'm so glad that uh, we don't have to do that. Now, so whatever, God uses different way. We thank you for the fact of what they've learned that perhaps would rub off on us. When we say "slow us down, Lord," it's far more than our actual actions. It's our minds, our hearts, our willingness to hear you. May that also happen today as we study your word in Jesus' name, Amen. So we pick it up in verse 11, eleven, First Peter chapter eleven, chapter one, verse chapter. <laughs> Here, watch. That's how I clear my mind. You can try it; it might work for you. I don't know. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 24, we'll just start in verse 11. We have been reading um, where, uh, as Bill took you through last week, you were once not a people, but now you're the people of God, a royal priesthood and all these beautiful things. And I won't belabor going backwards, I'll go forward in verse 11 and 12. Beloved, I Beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Can I say that again? Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable, honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. Beloved, you who are loved by God, who are special to God, you kingdom of priests and a people that are now a nation, now a people of God, the apostle Peter, and I'm going to tell you what you got to do starting right now. Uh, No, I beg you. Paracleo. Does that sound like paracletus? Does that slang the word? A lot of you, if you've been in church, you've heard the comforter is the paracletus. It's the same root word. I beg you, I come alongside of you to help you. But it also can mean I'm, in, I'm imploring you. I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with you. Though Peter's very powerful in position and leadership in the church, he doesn't say, I order you. He says, I plead with you. For God's glory and your own benefit as sojourners and pilgrims, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And you know what? Some things that are in the world you live in are not appropriate for you because you come from, you're going to another world. You belong to another world. Fleshly lusts. In the animal world, they have natural desires that they don't control or determine whether it's a good day or bad other than by the desire of their belly or their natural instinct. And people say, hey, man, it's only natural. Yeah, well, my dog does things that are only natural. That would be heinous for me to do, and you wouldn't want to see it. And for you to do, and I wouldn't want to see it, because you're not an animal. You're, You're a special creation. And animals ain't got no soul. Now, some of you go, wait, 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 the soul of the animal. They ain't got no soul made in God's image. So however we want to dissect the soul of an animal that I don't fully understand, and I have a dog and have had many, and I love them. I love my dogs. But they don't got the soul that you got. You were created in God's image and after his likeness. And your natural desires that are unregenerate, that are just from the base fleshly human way, the human nature way that's fallen in sin, that's separated from God by nature, in rebellion by nature. till we come to Christ, and it doesn't change that nature, we get a new nature that we yield to. We still have the base nature. It's there. It's dead if we let it die. Now, you can do a long Bible study for weeks on each one of these points, but here's where we're going. Is that natural desire that can overtake us, and we see it happen everywhere all the time, is at war against your soul. Rick Cohen didn't make up that statement. Rick Cohen's not smart enough to figure that out. It just says it right in front of us. You have a war in your soul. It's either true or it isn't true. And it is true, isn't it? Most of us go, yeah, and I know that. And it takes courage to fight your own soul's desires. It takes honor to honor other people's souls, and more on that later. In verse 12, it says, let your conduct, your behavior be honorable. Elsewhere, Peter will say, as we read on in First and Second Peter, L- you have holy conduct. Your conduct should be holy, honorable, honoring God. If you want to figure out what honorable is, honoring God. In our homes, in our jobs, everywhere, As we will see, as we go through the book, it will be everywhere to honor God in every relationship, in every circumstance, to Gentiles, to anyone and everyone, everywhere. And so if you do that, everybody will love you. Um, Wait, (laughs) not necessarily. That when they speak against you as evildoers, say, what? I'm doing all this work (laughs) to be the right person? to do the right thing, to resist the flesh and the things that I'd naturally be angry and naturally be vindictive and naturally be selfish and naturally be self-destructive, not worry about if somebody else gets destroyed in my process, that this can happen in nature, this can happen to humans. I'm gonna fight all that and do all the right thing and and then on top of it, these people are gonna speak against me as evildoers, but by your good works which they observe will glorify God in the day of visitation. The day of visitation can mean investigation or inspection, and certainly we know what it means. It means when they meet God. Now, there can be the visitation that happened to me and to some of you in this room. I hope all, but if it hasn't yet for some of you, it can. The visitation of God where he comes to you and says, here I am, come to me, turn to me, give your life to me. That's a visitation. I had that one on on December 31st, 1971. You might not know the exact moment of your visitation that came into your salvation, but if you're saved, if you know that you believe in Jesus and trust in him, he's visited you, and you open the door and let him in. You with me? And for some people, that day of visitation, that that happens to everyone because the Holy Spirit comes to convict them. The part of him coming to you comes to every person, according to the scriptures, But people accepting him is a different story, turning to him is a different story, and it'll either be in in conviction of the Holy Spirit that brings repentance and the receiving of forgiveness, or it'll be at the throne of judgment when all people's works will be revealed. There is a day of visitation. Now, your good works that glorify God. Well, there's many failures by the church. It's been documented historically. It's happening presently. However, we uh, aren't here to pat ourselves on the back or our, our forefathers and everyone, but neither are we to dismiss the good works that are real. Are there good works? You know, are there hospitals? Check out where most hospitals, where schools and higher learning and all kinds of schooling, even in our nation, came from. How orphans have been taken care of. How soup kitchens have reached out to people. How the fight of slavery, who started it and where and when. Much, much more. You know, it's easy to diss the church for all its failures, but it has been the church at the forefront of history that has brought much of the good that exists today in many ways. Yes, there's failures. Yes, there's hypocrisy. But, you know, and the thing is, you could itemize all these things. Right now, people are fighting some of the strongest fighting, not all, not only, but some of the strongest fighting against child trafficking, which is huge, gigantic, Sex trafficking is Christian groups as well as others. Now, most people don't know about the history of the church for its good, and most people, many people won't care, okay? You just have to accept that. I mean, I still think you should be fluent in being able to talk about it, and you should know about it. But some people just don't care about that, and, or maybe maybe won't care. They do and will watch you and me. That they're watching. They're looking at you, even when you don't think they are, and some will speak against you, even when you're doing the right thing, even because you're doing the right thing. But some will actually come to Jesus, seeing your behavior, and even after they've first spoken against you, like I did. I mocked Christians. I mocked Christians. Let me put it another way. I made fun of Christians and thought they were idiots and thought I was smarter and wiser and better. And some of you don't know this, but I can have a sharp tongue. Like some of you also sitting here today, nobody made you come, but they did influence you. You can influence someone Or you can control someone, but you cannot do both at once. Listen carefully. I've said it, I'm sure, many times, but not for a while, not for three weeks. You can influence someone, or you can control someone, but you cannot do both at once. Some of us spend all our time trying to control other people which makes us n- have no influence of good. When you have children, yes you have to control them, but only to the point that they're growing to where you become more that your influence over them that stays with them so they don't leave you and then do the exact opposite of what you told them, which by the way some will do anyway just because of human nature, it's not always your fault. <laughs> that, but but Your influence will go further than your control can. And when you see a parent of an adult kid from 3,000 miles away still trying to control them, it's, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it the harsh way to help you stop. It's pathetic. You can't control them, and all you're doing is pushing them away. Or if you are controlling them, they're an unhappy soul. They don't want to be controlled by their parent. I'm getting nods from younger kids. <laughs> going, please, no, not then, too. Well, that's going to be up to you. Don't let your life be a negative reaction to your parents, either. And we're all just human. Okay. What is honoring behavior look like, 13 through 16? Is a start. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. And I'll finish. 17. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Therefore, submit yourselves. Everyone is under authority somewhere. And even people who have, everyone has a higher thor- authority than themselves. And even the person on top of the heap in this world is, whether, they're, whether they like it or not, whether they're willingly submitting to it or not, they're under God's authority. There's no one who's a free agent here at all. They may act like it. They may think they are. But there's sub- but this isn't the kind of submission we're talking about where you can't escape it at all in your behavior. You can in your behavior because it's up to you to submit, to come underneath or in order, to come underneath in order to lift up others. In military terms, there is no choice. If you're in the military and you're told to do something or you're under authority, you better do it or you end up in the brig. Some militaries, you end up standing against the wall and get shot, Right? historically in spiritual warfare in spiritual journey it's a willing choice to honor god that's what you're doing no matter where you are in the pecking order of anything it's are you coming underneath to lift up because you are honoring god many of us government authorities etc we immediately go to acts 4 19 and 20 after peter is used to heal the lame man at the gate of the temple And the Sanhedrin takes them in and rebukes them and tells them, you guys are never to speak in this name of Jesus again. It says in verse 19 and 20, Peter and John answered and said to them, whatever is in right in the sight of God to listen, whether, (laughs) it actually says it correctly, okay. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to listen to God, you judge for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now, you love that verse, don't you? Yeah. So I'm not going to pay taxes. So I'm not going to pay, I'm not going to follow the stop signs. So I'm going to do whatever I want. The government can't tell me what to do. I'm not thinking that's what he's talking about. Okay, and you know he's not too. The law of God is higher than the law of men. And when it's in direct opposition... Direct opposition, that's an issue, but when it's not in direct opposition to the law of God, we are to obey and not pick and choose by our own desires, our own interests, or our own scheming, conniving, and manipulating. You know, everyone here is a good lawyer when they want to be. They find loopholes. Hello? Am I here? <laughs> Hello? <Objection. laughs> What's that? Objection. Okay, objection. <laughs> it's great. I knew there was something that was supposed to come back at me, so there it is, okay. So, uh, this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Here's how you put the silence of foolish men. You take out duct tape and tape it over their mouth. No, by your good works, you have influence. God can use you in a way that you don't know. But if you're too busy fighting 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 battles of the flesh, of you're going to miss it. Is that making sense to you? Maybe they've had bad experiences with the church or believers at large. Maybe they're just rebellious. Maybe it's a combination of all those things. You be the antidote you and me be the antidote to hypocritical christianity supposed hypocritical christianity weird and stupid stuff that just gets in the way by being the person that's honoring god and we're going to catch that a little bit more before we're done Verse 16 is free not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. That's the one who had their ear put to the door after six years of service when they were released from a debt and they would work for six years for another Jewish person. This is in Judaism in the Old Testament where he's pulling this from. Then they would put it all through your ear and put a ring in your ear and you would say, I love my master. I'm not going anywhere. I'll serve him the rest of my life because the best thing I'm ever going to find on this life is serving this person. Who's so good to me? So, not using our liberty for wrong, but, you know, how, how, hear, hear a quote from a non Christian thinker. I don't have his name, and I don't have the whole quote, but, um, sorry, but I, how society was, is getting it wrong is a guy who is not a Christian, but he was uh, well known, and, and it was in Forbes magazine. I'll find it for you. But tolerance is an important part of a free society. But approval and tolerance are not the same thing. We live in a day where tolerance equals approval. You have to be tolerant. We're told you have to approve of everything everybody does, and that's not true. We are to tolerate. We, all to be, we are to be tolerant. We are to allow others to do them and be them. As, and the whole part, part of that statement is, of course, you know, as long as what they're doing isn't harming other people and, then you know, and you're not doing what's harming others. And how you slice that, we are not called to approve of evil things. And we may be called intolerant and hateful even when the loving thing to do is to live rightly and speak according to the truth in love. It's not automatic that people are going to receive that, and it doesn't mean you should back off of it. But all this is to be played out in the lives of people who are serving God in humility. Verses 18 through 25, servants be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. I don't like this part. For what credit is it if you, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For in this you were called, because Christ has suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Um not sure how far I want to go. Give me a second. Let's just read it all. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray. You were like sheep going astray. But you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Yeah, servants uh, that we talk about today would include slaves in that day. Discipline included beatings in that day. Without extensively explaining this topic, there's a term, progressive revelation. And that doesn't mean that we stretch it out and go wherever we want to go. <laughs> it means that God what, God, what God told Noah was less than what Abraham would hear from God. And then God spoke to Abraham and told him things. But Abraham did not know as much as Joseph knew. And then after Joseph, we come into the land and we get Joshua, Moses and Joshua, who much more than those guys had the revelation of God, all the way up to the New Testament, all the way through David, all the way up, completing, fulfilling, showing the end plan of God and what he wants to do with mankind which is free us all from slavery, slavery to sin, mistreatment of each other. It's all there, okay? It's all there. But as Christians are to walk in humility and service to others, and it's really, if we go back to this, it's by all of us in every situation, and as hard as it is or was, it was and is effective in changing culture or we wouldn't be where we are today. Because it was Christianity that brought a lot of change to the treatment of women, the treatment and, and the reducing of slavery, and a lot of these things. I w- that would be whole, you know, that would be a whole seminar. And it, it it doesn't mean all Christians have done right. They haven't, of course not. That's why there's black marks in the past on history of Christianity by those who may abused and misused, but if you follow the thread of true gospel, it always brings peace and freedom between people. It doesn't bring people hating each other. It may bring a Christian to suffer, kill me, and I'm not going to fight back, But but I believe in Jesus. I stood at the back of this room once with a guy who said, we need to do it like they do in And he said, some country in the Middle East where they, you know, if if you know those people hate you, you get a gun and you shoot them before they shoot you. That's real Christianity. You don't do this laying down stuff. I said, so when Jesus said love your enemies, he was wrong, and he basically stormed out, which I was okay with. I mean, I love a guy, but I wasn't gonna. Oh, okay, yeah. I guess we're each entitled to our own opinion. Love your enemies. Do good to them who persecute you. That part hasn't changed. The treatment thing has changed. Our part hasn't changed. Okay? Connect those dots. Connect those dots. So it was and is effective in changing culture, but it's usually very slow and painful. And as Kim brought out to us, we don't like anything slow, and we definitely don't like anything painful. So... It's all contrary to God's heart, some of the treatment that goes on in some way. But the New Testament focuses on the, the issue of loving one another, and in Ephesians and Colossians and here in Peter, where husbands are spoken to, wives are spoken to, children are spoken to, bosses are jo- spoken to, employees in our world are spoken to, government officials are spoken to, and everyone is spoken to about how big is the kingdom of God for you how big is the kingdom of God to you? Is it like, here's the kingdom of God, here's my life. And if my life is reduced in any way, shape, or form by allowing the kingdom of God to be big, count me out. I'll find a loophole. There's more to say about treatment and mistreatment. Of course there is. But for the moment here where we are, How valuable is the kingdom to Jesus? How valuable are people to Jesus who did everything that we just read that's expressed here in, in his humiliation and his service and his laying down of his life? It's rather significant, isn't it? It's rather overwhelming, isn't it? I don't think you move on from the basis of the gospel. I think you build on the basis of the gospel. So I want to go back to verse 17 and finish there. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. I'm never going to be able to, maybe Bill will want to come back and cover some things, but I I can't detail each thing. And and sometimes you don't need that. You just need to read what it says and go, okay. (laughs) You know, that's really okay. Love your brother. We get that. Honor the king. Yeah, we've heard that. But honor all people. I kind of froze when I hit that. Excuse me. Honor all people. Well, there's a guy who probably could say it a lot more eloquently than I, but I won't leave it just to his words because he's a little, he might be challenging to follow. I mean... Well, he can almost say it as good as me, C.S. Lewis, (laughs) in the weight of glory. And I think we have that on the screen. Do we have that ready to go? It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else in horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only a nightmare. All day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals with whom we joke joke with, Work with, marry, snub, and exploit immoral, immortal horror or everlasting splendor. Neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. Now you'll be able to go look this back up. You'll be able to go look the weight of glory and read C.S. Lewis and ponder it if you choose to. And we're not idolizing C.S. Lewis. He just has a way of saying things. And he also thinks of things. He thought of things like some people just do. That's why we, you know, there's people around you who get a thought that you would know. You, you want the, you kind of got it, but you didn't get it till Ray said it or Kim said it or that one said it or Rick said it or you said it. Consider how we talk about, how we treat people, any person. It says far more about us than it does about that person. When we talk about someone and we go, you're talking about you more than you're talking about that person. I know I'm among friends here and people who love Jesus and people who want to do better and better and get stronger and stronger. But if I was to say this in many a place, it would be immediately shot down with hatefulness and spitefulness by some people who we should love and still want to see them saved and not just make fun of them. But it would be a brutal thing because I have a right to talk about that person any way I want. Do you know who they are? Do you know what they do? They're so wrong and I'm so right. And if you're that way right here, um, I encourage you, the Bible talks this word, it's called repent. It means if you're going that way, turn around and go that way. Repentance. Have you ever had to repent about this? I have. It's not my nature to be loving and respectful for all people. It's not like in my natural wheelhouse. God has, uh, one of the things God does is, is when he breaks you and empties you enough, you start to realize you're not the greatest thing since Swiss cheese or sliced bread you find out that you're not the person you thought you were if you have not found out have a journey to take you will take it (laughs) because we're not the people we think we are We think we are you know our thoughts versus our true identity our base nature that can come out and strangle us and try to strangle others it's rather insignificant And it lets you relate to people and realize it's not me telling other people what they need to be. It's us saying, here's what God tells you and me we need to be. Here's what he wants to do for you and me. How you talk about people, how you treat people, says far more about you than it does about them. To dissect someone and mock their flaws and put them down and joke about their foolishness, a foolishness that's leading them to judgment before God, is not honoring to God. I don't care who it is. I have friends that I love, that I respect in many ways, who love Jesus, but find it very easy to mock people in bad situations, in sinful situations, and make jokes, and I have been guilty. And I seriously have sought to repent of that. Because I don't know how I can help someone and love them into the kingdom if out of one side of my mouth I make fun of them. I don't know anybody going to come in this building who's made fun of all the time by their, and there's things that are wrong, there's no question. And I'll, I'll sit here and tell you or stand here as we say, but I'm not standing. You can call me on it. If you see me do that in an unhealthy way, please tell me. I don't want to do that. Because the Bible tells me to honor all people. That doesn't mean you accept every behavior. But I'll say it again, to dissect someone and mock their flaws and put them down with jokes about their foolishness. A foolishness that is leading them to the lake of fire is not honoring to God by me or you or anybody. Yes, we need truth and not approval of evil. It's necessary, but what a high calling we have. This isn't a rule. Peter doesn't say, I command you, I want to see you squirm and not have any free will to do anything you feel or think. No, he's saying, my brothers and sisters, do you get it? You have a high calling in God. You are elevated to a place of godliness. That your life represents Jesus. period. Pretty strong stuff. And even people Jesus rebuked the harshest the, and that was that wasn't the weirdos and the scum. <laughs> it was the religious people who thought they were better than others. That's the people Jesus rebuked the most. In fact, it's kind of the only people, and it includes the disciples as well as the Pharisees and Sadducees. Even those people who thought they were better and who put others down, he would die for them. He would pay for their sin. He would pay for, should I say, our sin. Do you think sexual perversion and sexual sin, which is really sad and terrible, is? and do you think stealing or violence against one another, or people just doing all the things that you see around, do you think those things are way worse, or somehow worse, than hating Jesus personally and killing him? Do you think sexual sin and perversion and sexuality, which is a big problem, and children are being pulled away, and it's a, you can't approve of that. It's terrible. It's terrible but it's also people who are being confused and, and mistaught and played upon their emotions and just led astray into things that don't make any sense and are not going to serve them with peace even in this life. But do you think that's worse than killing Jesus? <laughs> you think that's worse than Jesus went into the synagogue and they put the man with the withered hand up there to see if he'd heal him. And when he did heal the man with the withered hand and made it whole like the other, they got, they, Let's it's the Sabbath, let's take him out and kill him. They took him out to the brow of a hill one time and tried to kill him for speaking about who he was. They wanted to kill him, they tried to kill him, they did, you know, God ordained it, but they did kill him. So, were they hopeless? Were they reprobate? Was there no? John twelve forty two? I didn't come to this in time to put them up for you. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. The rulers of Israel. Many of them believed in Jesus as he's teaching and preaching and there's this tension building. But because of the Pharisees, the guys in real control that could kick them out, destroy their lives, Because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. I'm not picking on anybody in here, but I'd imagine there's people here like me who at one time were unwilling to stand up for Jesus because of the repercussions that you would get for it. And you should have stood up for him, and you didn't. Aren't you glad he didn't reject you? (laughs) Aren't you glad he didn't say, oh, good, I wanted to send you to hell? They didn't confess him. They were, they were believing in him, but they just couldn't get past their, their culture, their struggle. The, the, they couldn't get past the price they had to pay, the price they needed to pay to stand up for Jesus. It wasn't just Nicodemus, and even he took time to get there. No one Joseph Arimathea went to claim the body. They were kind of there by then. But nobody really stepped up, really, including the disciples, including the disciples, including the twelve apostles, minus one. Nobody until the resurrection. Until the resurrection. And in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it says it through this verse, just halfway through it. And a great many priests were obedient to the faith. I don't know why we skip over that verse so much. I've brought attention to it a few times. But I have to be reminded of it. I personally, who have read it to you through the years in this church, I have to go remember, 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 not every one of these guys are just wicked, hateful, hate God, self-righteous bums. In the mix of all those people were conflicted, struggling people. Conflicted, struggling people. Has <laughs> there any conflicted, struggling people in the hearing of my voice today? <laughs> Has anyone ever been conflicted and struggling? <sighs> they became obedient to the faith, which means they did lose everything. They were some of the people that got chased out of Jerusalem after the stoning of Stephen and went everywhere preaching the gospel. Who were you? I was I'm done. My family's done with me. They had a burial. They, they chased me out. They tried to throw rocks at me, and they said, get out of here or we'll kill you. So we ran from our house, and we're now here to tell you how wonderful Jesus is. Follow Jesus, and you can be like me. I just have to tell you. I've said it before, but some of you haven't heard. You know, when I was 15, I worked at Kino's Grocery Store in Southwest Portland, outside of Portland, in a ritzy area, and it uh, was a really nice grocery store. And one day, I was a box boy and stuff. And you know, I'm 15 years old, and uh, and uh, the bu- the guys, the grocery men, say, "Hey, they're here, they're here," and everybody goes out to the back dock, and up drives the school bus, a Loa Baptist Church, but it was given to the hippie group jesus revolution stuff okay it was given to the hippie christians from the group that i would eventually be a part of but i didn't know it today didn't know it today even when i joined that group after i came to christ i didn't realize it was these people god hid my eyes so i wouldn't think i'd have to do this (laughs) they jump out of the bus and jump into the dumpsters back then you didn't take stuff to the agencies all the leftover cabbage and lettuce and Milk. It would all went in the dumpster, and these guys would dive in and pick it out. And a guy, everybody's laughing at him. I'm like, "Wow, I some, I'm seeing these hippie Jesus freaks for the first time." And 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 one of the one of the guys, he jumps out of the bin. He's got kind of long hair, but not real long. He's, I, seriously, seriously, I'm not making this up. He had a lettuce leaf hanging out of his ear, and he's got a big smile on his face. These guys are are mocking them, looking at them, and I'm just. And, 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 he, and I'm right next to the grocery man that he talks to. I'm standing right next to the guy. And this kid's right here. And he looks up at the guy and he pulls out a crinkled track with a ketchup stain on it or something. And he says, here, read this. It'll tell you about Jesus. He really changed my life. I know exactly what that kid said. I'll never forget what he said unless I get Dementia. Here, read this. It will tell you about Jesus. He really changed my life. And my thought, I remember my thought exactly man, I sure hope Jesus doesn't change my life. (laughs) I wasn't joking. I wasn't smart enough to be clever. I was 15 years old and I was blown away and I had no idea. And three years later, I came to Jesus through those people, they're part of their group. And six months later, as I'm getting to know them, I realized they went garbage picking, and that's them and I thought, oh Lord please don't let me garbage pick I don't want to have but I... but I want dumpster diving we call it garbage picking <laughs> and dumpster diving and you know what it, right I said, but Lord I'll do whatever it is and this isn't about you know, my me doing anything it's about God speaking and coming to me." And the week that I was going to move in, there was an announcement, yeah, well, Pastor John, the guy in charge, said we should stop dumpster diving because it's not a good witness, and we're going to just, and we were working, they were working at jobs, and I never had to dumpster dive. <laughs> I did later go and pick up old milk in Virginia from a factory that called us and said, we know you can help people off the street, we have our day old milk that you can come and get. So every week I got a full quart of chocolate milk to drink tithe of tithes okay so all that story is you know i started to cry and i'm trying to control myself here but i mean i'm so thankful that god sent me the foolish things of the world i don't know how much that personal thing stuck in me but it's here i'm telling you today 50 years later and it matters to me is that jesus really did change his life because in the end result Where's that grocery man? I hope he's in heaven. Where's that young man? Hopefully serving God today or in heaven. Because that's the point. That's the point. It's huge. It's hard. It's necessary. And it's beautiful. Beautiful. It's beautiful. But I need to be with people I don't like and people that are doing wrong evil wrong. I'm not liking it, Rick. It's not beautiful to me. Is it beautiful on Jesus? Is it beautiful on Jesus? Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he was suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself, who was judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live to righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed for you. You, you, and if you're not there yet, make today the day that you are turned back. Come to Jesus today. Well, in a relationship of honoring Jesus, turning to him, this is your day. This is the only day you know you have, and this is your day. For your return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free at not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as servants, bond servants of God. Let's stand.